Welcome to the Novel Universe with Ashley and Dawn, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. And I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. Alright, and welcome back to the Novel Universe, and we will be doing our February reads. I, Dawn, read eight books. Oh, whopping eight books. <laughs> whopping eight books. And it's a short month, too. Um, and that's only because most, well, all of them were under, well, most of them were under 400 pages. So I was able to, like, get through them pretty quickly. So I am going to only review five of them because two of them we did an in-depth review. And you can, um, well, I'll post that a little bit later so that you can get more into those. Um, but I'm going to start and go through all of mine, and then Ash is going to go through hers. And then we have a fun one. It's going to be real fun. <laughs> we'll be staying. We read an erotic <laughs> paper trade book from the Dollar General. Okay. So my first book that I read was Be Not Far From Me by Mindy McGinnis. And I gave this a 4.0. Um, I know you're like shocked when I give well, anything over to I, I just get so excited for you. Like, you finally, get excited for me. I do. That's I'm like, great. Oh, good job, Don. You finally got something you like. <laughs> you got something you like. <laughs> so this one is about Ashley. It's her name. And she well. is poor. And she lives in a trailer with her dad. Her mom has abandoned her. And her friends... Are, I think it's the end of junior year or middle of junior year, I can't remember. And they're going off to the woods to celebrate. I believe it's the end of the school year. So they're going off to the woods to celebrate. Something happens, and I forgot to mention that Ashley is a long-distance runner, and she's also been raised, well, she wasn't raised in the woods, but she's very familiar with the woods. Okay. Um, she went to camp, and she, she can do survival skills. So something happens, and she runs, because she's really upset, and because she's a long-distance runner, she runs pretty far into the woods, and she gets lost, and she hurts her foot. So she can't just, like, find her way back and walk her way back, because she really hurts her foot to the point where she cannot walk. And so this book is basically about um, her growing and she has a lot. Like I said, she has a lot of problems. She's really poor. Mm -hmm. Her mother has left her. Her father, you know, he just tries to get by. Her boyfriend's a douche. Mm -hmm. Um, She is on scholarship, possibly as a runner. And now that's gone because she's hurt her foot. So it's her. She's also very angry. She's one of these very angry teens. And so it's just really about being in the woods mm-hmm. and coming to the realization of the t- of who you are and either changing or, you know, it's that type of thing. Um, I gave it a four because it's very short. It's only like 220 pages. I liked the main character. Um, it was never boring. And I don't like outdoors because at first when I started reading this, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this because I, <laughs> I could give a shit about skinning skunks and... making tree forts I don't care you know but it was she would like have memories of her mom and um the times where she was just like couldn't eat because they couldn't afford food and so like she has these memories as she's going through her journey to get out of these woods Mm -hmm. um what I will say is that like I said it, it moved pretty quickly it was never boring I like the main character but this is a type of book where the main character is going to have some serious reflection and they're really going to dig deep into their soul. But Mindy McGinnis doesn't go deep enough. She's not the type of writer to really 
get into it. Mm-hmm. It's it's good, but it's very surface level. I think if this could have been E. Lockhart or Jandy Nelson, which wrote I'll Give You the Sun, mm-hmm. it would have been a five star. Okay. But because it's very surface level self-reflection, like maybe I shouldn't be an asshole. Maybe I shouldn't just punch people because they get on my nerves. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know... It, it, is she the only character in the book? Like, when yes. she gets lost in the wilderness? Yes, she's by her. We are with her the entire time. Wow. But it was never... I was never annoyed with her. Okay. Um, she was... I hate when characters are in their own head and they have nothing to offer me, you know? <laughs> but I never felt like that. She was an interesting girl. Mm-hmm. I, you know, she, she was a survivor, you know? Okay. And Mindy McGinnis can write some pretty gross stuff. And, yeah, it was really gross. Some of it was gross. So I'm sure she busted her, her foot gross. Yeah. And had really to, to survive out there. Yeah. Um, I did like that she included uh, poverty. We don't get a lot of poor teens in YA. Teens just automatically are middle class or wealthy in teen fiction. Mm-hmm. And she was really poor. Like, had to have food like secretly given to her by her you know her friend was like oh I have an extra sandwich you know like oh Mm -hmm. I'm on a diet you know you can have this sandwich like that kind of poor Mm -hmm. so I did appreciate Mindy McGinnis having a a poor teen in her book Mm -hmm. okay the next book I read was Bent Heaven by Daniel Krauss I gave this a two and a five two point five (laughs) so Daniel Krauss is the guy who wrote The Shape of Water that won an Oscar. Okay. And he, I have been in the same room with him several times because he used to work for Booklist. And okay. Booklist would sponsor a lot of ALA and Yalsa stuff. And so he would be at these events. And he's the type of guy where it's like, um, I'm amazing. I'm an amazing writer. And why don't you know it? That's his whole attitude. I'm amazing, but you don't seem to understand my amazingness. So you can imagine okay. the type of writer he is. He's a little snooty. I would say more than a little. Um, so I was curious because he thinks he's amazing. So I wanted to see if he was, and I don't think he is. Um, so this is about Olivia, and okay. she is a high school. I don't. I don't know. She was in. She's in high, they're always seventeen. Every book they're seventeen. I don't know why seventeen is the magic number. Whatever. <laughs> and she, her father has he he disappeared for a couple of days. He comes back. He's in the town square. He's butt naked. Everyone's like, he's a town freak. That's a town freak's daughter. And then he takes. He goes to the hospital, and then he leaves the hospital, and then he disappears again. Two years later, he's still gone. And she's kind of moved on with her life. She was the town freak's daughter. But she has since another runner. I don't know what it is with this running. I mean, I get why they say, why they have their main characters as runners. Because it's freeing and mm-hmm. all that bullshit. So she is kind of moved on. She is now popular. She's not the town freak's daughter anymore. However, she does. she is friends with the other town freak named Doug. Doug was really close to her father because his father was crappy and he really misses her father. And so her father was basically saying that he was abducted by aliens. And he's just like, I was abducted. I'm going to find these aliens. I'm going to set these traps. I'm going to trap one. And Doug is still going through the motions of setting the traps and all this stuff. And she is just like, oh, my God. But she (laughs) has to be nice to him because she feels bad. Mm -hmm. So she kind of goes along with it. But when they're in school, she's just like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. It's one of those things. We're friends outside of school. After hours. Don't look at us. After hours friends. After hours friends. That's exactly right. (laughs) Okay. So that's basically what this book is about. Okay. First of all, the problem with the book is this is not YA. 
Um, I think the publisher was like, um, Daniel, your character is 17. Let's just make this YA, even though it's not. You can read word choice Mm -hmm. and figure out this is an adult book. Exactly. Teens don't talk like that. You know, a YA author doesn't write like that. Mm -hmm. So that's problem number one. But even still, I should be able to, like, get over it and just be like, oh, well, it's just a a well-written adult book. No. So, first of all, our main character would have these huge anger outbursts out of nowhere where she's like throwing shit and cussing teachers out and just stomping around and I'm like out of nowhere and I'm like where the hell did that come from and all I could think of um I'm black by the way all I could think of was oh my god if this was a black girl Uh she would be arrested if this was a black boy doing this he'd be killed like Mm -hmm. these huge outbursts it was ridiculous it came out of nowhere it wasn't built in her character that she gets angry really quickly so Mm -hmm. that was stupid And then she has these five friends who are popular, and he lists all five of these friends, no impact to the plot. Three guys are mentioned. They're never, they never contribute anything. I don't understand why they're in the story. Pointless. Uh And then she befriends this kid. Now, they live in rural Iowa. Okay. She befriends this guy who is an immigrant, a Mexican immigrant. Are we checking boxes? We're checking boxes. He contributed nothing. He could have been he could have been Chinese. Yeah. He could have been white. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered. He mentions it one time. He's like, my father came here and he was sent home by ICE. That's it. Okay. So you're and like, um No point to his story. That's and it. he was quirky. He was quirky. <laughs> we needed a quirky one. And the mom was quirky. You can't have two quirky people in one book. That is against the YA rules. (laughs) The mom was pointless. Like all these extra characters, all these extra characters contributed nothing. The best character was Doug because he was incredibly unhinged to the point where it was scary. But yeah, I didn't like it. It, Wow. All right. Okay. Next is Thorn by, I'm going to butcher this name. Entisar Kanani. I think we got the last name right. Kanani. K-H-A-N-A-N-I. Okay. So this is a retelling of Goose Girl, which I did not know. Oh. And I would recommend that if you have not heard of the Goose Girl, you don't know the story, do not Wikipedia it. Because it is going to spoil it for you. Because you did. (laughs) Because I did. (laughs) I was chucking along. I'm on chapter six or seven. I was like, where is this story going? Let me look it up on Wikipedia motherfucker chapter seven was the big twist and i read it i read the twist before it happened i was like no so do yourself a favor don't read wikipedia don't look up the story until after you're done and then you can be like oh oh okay so our main character her her real name is Alyssa. i don't know we'll just call her Alyssa. i don't it's got all those letters in it but i think they're switched a different way we'll just call her Alyssa. all four of these letters whatever okay and she is she's called a princess but her father's not a king because there's a real king and a crown prince so i think maybe her father was a lord which make her a lordess i don't know lordess i don't know if that's even a thing i don't i don't know we'll just call her a lordess (laughs) Alyssa the lordess i don't know i like it so (laughs) her father has died and her brother is well her mom is queen and her brother is you know, about to be take the throne when the mom dies. Okay. And they hate her. Not quite sure why, 
but they hate her. Like the brother abuses her. I know why the brother hates her. I'm not sure why the mom hates her. And so the king is like going around town because he needs to find his son an heir or not an heir, doy, a prince, a queen, <laughs> a bride. He needs, they need to get, Mine he needs to bride. get married yeah. so he can have babies and Continue their line. Yep. Okay. And he finds the goose girl or Alyssa. We'll call her Alyssa. And he's like, you're the one. Let's go to the castle. So (laughs) she hightails it to the castle to marry the prince. And this part, I'm not going to say because this is where the big thing happens. So I'm not going to say it. And so, yeah. So that's pretty much the story about. I can't say too much. This is a spoiler. I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. I gave this book a 3.9. <laughs> can't give him an extra one. I can't because the last 30 pages pissed me off. Oh, it was a four until those last 30 pages, man. Oh, my sure God. Are you sure just because you spoiled the whole no. story? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. That was fine. Okay. But there was a problem with that. And the problem is Valta. Valta's our main villain. Okay. And... Because this book is written in first-person POV from Alyssa slashes Thorn point of view, mm-hmm. the only way we get to see Valta is when Thorn is with her. Mm-hmm. But she's not ever with her. And that was a problem. Thorn or Valta was not sympathetic. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why she... I know why she hates her, but it's just not... She just wasn't developed enough. Oh, okay. And I wish... Because Valta accompanies her to the castle... Because Valta's dad is like, you're a piece of shit. You need to go. Go get out of my face. And they're not friends. So she's just like, oh, hell, I got to spend all this time on the road with this girl. Mm -hmm. And that was the perfect time to to develop her. But they did. But she didn't do it. So that was a problem. Um, The biggest problem, which is why I lowered my rating, is there's too much going on in the story. And I don't know if this part is part of the goose girl are you really, really familiar with Goose Girl? No, uh-uh. Okay. Well, the the king's family is cursed, so his wife has died from this mysterious illness, and his family's cursed, and they don't know why. They're dying off. So they need to get the prince married and have a baby so he could have heir. So that's why they're rushing. And at the very... So they, they mention it, mm-hmm. and, like, at the beginning of the story, some mysterious lady comes knocking on her door, and... <laughs> Then she kind of comes in the middle, and then at the very end is when she really comes because she's part of the curse. And I'm like, the rest of the story is really good. You know, you have Thorn. It's like, she's a great character mm-hmm. for the most part. She's great with the townspeople. She's great with the horse handlers. I don't know what they're called. Um, yeah, that's it right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, here comes this lady and her curse. And I'm like... No, she's like, oh, if you want to break the curse, he has to go through these three trials. Sounds really? Like and the Beast. We're going to bust out the trial <laughs> on page 450 out of 500? No. That is not okay. <laughs> That's where the last panel falls. I know. You will have to find true love and be loved in return. Exactly. <laughs> Usually the trial starts page 100, not page 450. No. So that was my biggest problem with that book. But it's still worth a read. I liked the dynamic between Thorn and the Crown Prince. I thought they were a really good couple. It was not predictable. It was I I was crying at some points. Like it was it was pretty good. I will be reading book two because I'm curious to see what happens. Okay, I was just about to ask if it was a Yeah, it's worth it. Okay. Yeah, it's a series. All right, so the last two books I'm gonna kind of put together because they have the same theme. Okay. And it is The Red Hood by Elena K. Arnold and Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. And they both are talking about toxic masculinity. 
So I wanted to see how a woman writes it with a female point of view or main character versus a man with a boy point of view. Mm-hmm. And Red Hood is the female point Red of view. Red Hood is right? female. Yeah. And Pure and Simple is the boy. Red Hood is a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood, which I'm very familiar with. It is the grim version, the best one. <laughs> <laughs> and our main character, Bizou, Bizou, I don't know. Bizou? She's French. <laughs> she lives with her grandmother. And she goes to this party with her boyfriend, whom she loves. Mm-hmm. She loves him a lot. And something happens at this party. I'm not going to say because it's kind of a, not a spoiler, but it's the, the author wants you to read it on your own. Uh-huh. So I'm going to let you. Mm-hmm. Something happens. She runs from the boyfriend through the woods, more woods. And <laughs> this is the third book with woods. By the way. <laughs> more running, more running, by the way. And she is confronted by a wolf, which she gets magical powers, not magical powers, but just like strength out of nowhere. Kills the wolf, goes home. The next day, a very popular boy in the basketball team has been murdered naked in the woods. That was him. So he was a predator at the party. Like, he was drunk. He was like, dance with me. And she's like, no. And he wouldn't take no for an answer. And so then he comes and finds her. And it's not a big spoiler. But he dies. And so the rest of this book is about Bizou. And a couple of the other girls and the grandma get together and kill boys because they're predators. What? <laughs> this is the message we're going with. They're predators. Let's kill them all. Well, that was a problem. That does not bode well for our society. <laughs> it doesn't. And that is not you know, that is not the message we should be sending no, here. Uh-uh. And at one point, Bazoo says, shouldn't we be educating boys on not being dicks? <laughs> And they're like, nope, let's kill them. Okay. Kill them all. Kill them all. <laughs> I had a huge problem with that. Uh, there were other issues with this book. I I feel like the author tries to use shock value to get teens hooked. Are you going to read this book? Well, I was, but I'm not going to now. Well, if you want to know, I'll the, tell you off, off air, but yeah. the shocking parts. But she would do this thing. Yeah, the cover is amazing. It's very alluring. She Uh would, like like I said, Bisou loves her boyfriend. And she's going to have sex with him. And so the author is like, Bisou takes off, rips the condom at the corner, places the condom on the penis, sits on the penis. She is like basically doing step by step. This is how you write a penis. This is how you make tea. (laughs) This is how you make bread. It's like very like informational. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Sure. (laughs) I get it. Um, But I felt like it was for the sake of being different, shocking. It didn't seem authentic to me. So, yeah. It almost seems like, how dumb do you think I am? I mean, maybe girls need to know how to ride a penis. I don't know. Maybe they do. Um, so they learn it from a book so that's telling it. them that men and are then, terrible people. I'm not going to be gross. I could be gross, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> You'll have to tell <laughs> me later. there's more. I'll tell you about it later <laughs> off the pod. Okay. So now let's compare it to Not So Pure and Simple, where we have... Um, I gave Red Hood a 2.5, by the way. I appreciate the attempt. I like what she was trying to do, mm-hmm. but it just the message was just no. And I also okay. didn't like the main character. Bizou. 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 <laughs> I love how you say it. It's French. It's a bizou. <laughs> um, not so pure and simple is about Dell, 
Once again, he's 17, because all teens are 17 in teen fiction. They're coming on adulthood. I guess. Know. But it's like, I had my teen um, book club one day was like, how come there can't be any freshmen in teen books? Where are all the 14-year-olds? Oh, that's a good point, because they're all 17 for some yeah. reason. Anyway, Dell is our main character. He's a good kid. He has a job. He, you know, he has to pay for his car and his gas. He's got good parents. They are very affectionate. They love each other and they show it, you know, nicely in front of him. He has a sister who's in college. He's close with his sister. His best friend is a womanizer, but fine, you know, standard. Um, all the characters are black, by the way. And Dell has had this crush on this girl named Keisha, which Keisha, Keisha. that tells you she, they're black. <laughs> Keisha has always has a boyfriend, and she finally is single, and Del is like, yes, this is my chance. Mm-hmm. She's only got 36 hours, so before she's taken again. Pretty much. <laughs> He's like, I need to get in there now. <laughs> so for some reason, Del's mom has decided that she wants to join the church, and she takes Del with him. And Keisha is also at the same church. And he is so busy watching her, the pastor's like, okay, guys, who wants to volunteer? And so Keisha's like, I will. So Del's like, oh, this is my chance. This is my chance to be in a group with her. I'm going to take my chance. Little does he know, he's volunteered to take a purity pledge. And so he can't get out of it because, A, he's lying and it looks bad in front of Keisha. And, B, he wants to be next to Keisha. Uh-huh. So he stays. Uh-huh. So, um, and then it kind of goes through, like, there's a whole other subplot about these girls who all got pregnant and they're slut-shamed and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I liked about this book is Dell is a good kid. He's you root for him. You like him a lot. He works hard. And his issue is that he has enlisted another boy, Keisha's neighbor, to help him get Keisha. They have one moment where he's alone with her. He goes in for the kiss and she's like, no. But he says, that's okay. I'm going to win her over. He's still lying. He's still trying to enlist this boy to get Keisha. That is toxic masculinity. Uh And a lot of men and boys don't realize that that Uh is, they just think, I have a crush. Uh And I'm going to. Another way to get her. Exactly. Another way. And it's just, it's just standard for men and boys. They don't realize that that's uncomfortable for women. Mm -hmm. And I like that Lamar Giles doesn't make him a predator. He doesn't call girls hoes and bitches. He's not a womanizer like his friend. He's a good kid who has a crush and he can't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. That is great. So, that is the reason why I like this book. I like how he just kind of puts in this normal kid where kids are like this all the time and don't realize that it's toxic. Um, there's also some really big religious undertones because, you know, they go to church and church is a big part of teens. So I also like it when authors put church and mm-hmm. religion in books. The religion wasn't demonized or any way, you know, you know. He was showed how some kids really wanted to be in the pretty pledge. And then there are some kids who are like, oh, and then some of the parishioners are kind of like a little fanatic with it. Mm-hmm. So he kind of demonized the parishioners who were like bad and not the church. Um, I liked Keisha. I thought she was an interesting character, something a little different. I'm not going to say her jam because that's for you to figure out. Um, I liked the neighbor. He was a bit of a box checker. But I like the neighbor. He was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So basically what I'm saying is the Lamar Giles toxic masculinity book is far better mm-hmm. than the Red Hood one. And maybe it could be it's because it's written by a man. I don't know. But you don't know at the but same no. time because there's also different demographics that it plays into. There's also like how people were raised and like, you know, what's been taught to them. Like, oh, if you're taught that a boy is a bad person and like they're all bad, 
just because of one example, you know, that relates into everyone else's. And that happened with the Red Hood, too. It happened in there, you know. But this is just like, oh, this is a standard cycle that happens quite frequently and no one talks about it. Yeah. About how, like, that's, that's maybe not a good idea. Yeah. You know, but he's not a bad person, as you're just explaining him. It's like, it sounds like he's a, a good kid that just, he wants what he, what he wants, so he's going to try it a different way. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's mm-hmm. what people do in society all the time. Yeah. And she's not good. She yeah. said no. Mm-hmm. She clearly said, and she wasn't like, she was like, no. Mm-hmm. Get a, I don't like you like that. Mm-hmm. And he just was like, oh, she'll grow. I'll, I'll grow on her. Who was his accuser? All right. Those are all the books that I read. Um, uh, and now it is Ashley's turn. Yes. So I read, um, new books for once in my life, Don. You should be very proud of me. I read a new book, at, like, at least two a week. So I read, um, Best Friends by Shannon Hall, which is a junior, juvenile, young adult book. Um, but I'm not going to go into that because this is a, a YA podcast, but I did think that that has some very very deep topics in it that I wish were also addressed um, more frequently than how, like, this was, like, the first time I've ever seen an Mm. issue like this addressed. Um, And a lot of it dealt with, like, anxiety and how, like, teens have anxiety and they don't, like, their parents are like, oh, you need to keep doing this. And they're, like, literally, like, dying inside and they don't know how to handle it and all the new changes that come about to things. and so she does a really good job of relating herself to her main character because the actual author's name is Shannon and the main character's name is Shannon. And it, she talks about like, oh, if you're struggling with X, Y, and Z, I also did. And here is what you need to do. So she like okay. relates like how to f- how she fixed it for herself, which I thought that that was great because I have um, I nanny two girls that are in that particular age group. And I'm like, that is a great book to be reading because... It is an unspoken thing that people don't talk about. Um, I gave that book a five for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. It's a graphic novel. It was great. Okay, so I read Diamond City by Francesca Flores. This book, I wish I had a freaking map. Oh, it's one of those. <laughs> it, oh, God. Okay, so here we go. Good things don't usually happen to girls who come from nothing. This book is based in Koshim, which is a city between, um, like, the past and the future. It's also between, like, uh, religion and industrialization. Like, it's all of these things are mixed into this city. So the story follows Ayanna Solis, who witnessed her parents' death at a young age She's been orphaned and forgotten and left to the street gangs and forced to survive on nothing but her wits. She meets a stranger at a bar that tells her that she has a chance to leave with him or die. She decides to leave with him. She becomes a blade or an assassin for the blood king, Cole. He is extremely hard and brutal and focused uh, on his apprentices carrying out their jobs. A bunch of other orphans work with him and they live in a tradesman. uh house tasked as like hitmen is what they're known for ayana has an interesting love interest for her employer she wants out and she wants to have her own hitman trade house she is infatuated with him never knowing why he's paid her more attention than others she's tasked with killing this like high 
marketed person. Is she the chosen one? No. Oh, okay. No, it's not like that. But you would think by what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so she's tasked with killing this Kyoto Harati. Um, they're minor owners and like their parents have this big old honking industry and it's worth a whole bunch of money. Um, but things don't go as planned and she realizes she's a small pawn in a bigger game of politics. Okay. So with this book, I had a couple of issues um, because it didn't have a map and I had no idea where I was at some times. I was like, okay, so are we just like on, we're just in the streets, literally? Like just an overrun industrialized like city that there's the poor people and then there's the people who have money, you know, and it's very distinct. Like there's gangs on all different corners. Orphans are um, either smoking this light, like they're basically inhaling uh, like Sharpie marker is the best way to put it, but it's like it's in this plastic bag and that's like how they escape from their reality is because it gives them a high but because it's with the plastic bag, a lot of people die because it suffocates them because they have it like oh, over okay. their face. And so she like talks about like her struggles with the fact that she was so addicted to this drug over and over and over again. But she was smart enough to use a paper bag and whatever. And like because I mean, she witnessed her parents dying in front of her and she was she had a great family and they had a great practice and they were healers and whatever. There's also like a little magic in this book. But I mean, her parents died and she's literally left in a world that she has no idea how to, to operate in. Um, there are some like characters that just like pop in out of nowhere and you're like, I don't understand why these people are important again. Um, there were a couple issues with um, like love relationships between her and like another person and it's like the whole entire time I'm like do you love him do you not love him why are you dragging this person along another person loves you as well yet again another love triangle and I don't mm. it just <sighs> um and then she has like a friend who's also a part of this like trade house that isn't really her friend she's her enemy and then all of a sudden she's like okay with her that was a problem I had in the book because that happened at one of the climactic points. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. So like, we're just now all on, on the same page. Like I did not like that part that actually like made me not read this book higher because mm, of that, okay. because I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, things that I loved. Ayana has a lot of self revelations of how, and, like, how she also wants to live her life and what's happening right now. She's very re reflective in a healthy way. Whereas, like, you feel like you're in her brain where she's processing through it, like, step by step. Like, oh, this isn't really a good thing. Why am I killing people when I don't, like, I've just been trained to be a good assassin and I don't know why. Like, there's no repercussion ever. She's just supposed to kill a person so she can get the hit money from her master and she's been secretly saving it to make her own trade house so she's not owned by anyone, okay? okay. Um, she's a super badass. Like, I'm telling you, she... <laughs> she 
can literally kill all of these people, and it's super, like, you're like, oh, this girl's, like, 17. She can't do a lot. She's freaking amazing. Like, and her, her level of depth of her assassination is just... And she prefers to use knives versus, like, a gun or something because it's way more personal because she is, like, struggling with that inner part of herself where, like, things have been taken away from her. So it's, like, there's a personal personal relationship to killing someone when you are, like, this Uh, close to them. Yeah. Um, So, and another thing that um, I liked about her as a character, she learns to fight for something more than what she's given and to do it wholeheartedly, which I think, like, because of what happened to her, she's been tasked with this, like, she's only been giving, given so much. And so her idea of, like, what is her highest point isn't what you or I would deem to be, like, a highest point. Like, we're always told, like, oh, you can reach higher. You can keep going. You can get all of these things can be given to you. And there's one quote in the book that's between her and a secondary character. And one of the main, and I think I, I even wrote it down. <clears throat> so this might be a little bit of a spoiler for a couple of seconds. So I needed to, but it's. Is very point to like why I really enjoyed this book. Um, one of the main characters tells her that he she needs to reach higher, and his own idea of what is high is like like way up at the ceiling. And she says <clears throat> the reason why she doesn't want to continue reaching to a greater, bigger goal than her reaching this trade house level of her running her own assassins like guild. Is because it would mean that she's not a failure. If I can open my own trade house, it means I did the best work with the little that I was given. Don't take that from me by telling me that I can reach higher, that the sky is the limit. My sky and your sky are not the same, so you have to let me touch my own sky. Mm, that's good. I was like, girl, like, <laughs> wow. Like, that's what I mean. Like, she has a lot of, like, self-revelations that's, like, she's not an idiot, even though she has been orphaned. She did have a good home at one time. So it's, like, she still has a well-maintained head on her shoulders. Um, we truly got a lot of glimpses into her heart and, you know, her understanding how fragile she was and... um like I said with this like love triangle thing and her being in love with her assassin like leader like the the blood king she has these moments where she's like oh that's probably not a good thing for me right now because I was just in my brain thinking that I was in love with this person and I really wasn't in love with this person or they were in love with me and I wasn't really in love with them or this was all just like made up and like she understands that, like, ooh, maybe I need to take a break from boys for a little bit type of thing, which is not something we get from a lot of our main characters that are in these yeah. love triangle things. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, one of the things I didn't like is because there was this big circle of, like, do you like him? Do you not like him? I don't know. I don't know because we keep going around in a circle. But then she, like, comes to the station where she's like, that's not a good idea for me right now. So there's a lot of growth in her character and in this story. Um because something goes awry with the job that she was tasked to do. And so then she's like, oh, 
there's a bigger game to everything that, that that's happening. And so um, the world, this was something that I really, really, really enjoyed. The world, there's so many parallels between our world today. It's not just, um, I'm sorry, it's cutthroat industrialists, capitalists, to the faithful old world religious side, higher up steals, and they hold more power over us. So, like, that whole parallel between, like, that's literally how our world is right Mm now. Um, That was interesting to me. But I had an issue with the world itself because I was like, okay, are we just, are we in, like, Japan or something like that? And it's just, like, everything's really cloudy. There's whole things about these diamonds and whatever that you're, like... I can't really go into detail about the diamonds because it is going to spoil things. That's why I didn't talk about the diamonds. You'll have to read it because that goes into, like, the different types of people that there are and the old religion believing that, you know, healing people is good and, like, then they've taken this power away from these people. Yet again, like, they're massacring all these people because they don't want them to have this power because they think that they can construct it their own way. So, all in all, I gave this book a four. Okay. Um, because it was different, I did have a couple issues, like I said, that I was like, why are we just okay with people? Like, that, that bothers me. (laughs) But, all in all, I am looking forward to book two. That one. Cool. And that just came out in January this year. Yeah. That, yet again, that reaches in your demographic for a... Yeah. Chinese, Japanese. Well, her name is Flores. Yeah. She's not, not the people that are named in that book. <laughs> what was the main character's name? Sounded Spanish. Ayana Solis. Solis is in Spanish. And then she is supposed to kill Coyota Harari. Oh, yeah, okay. Harari? Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think it's based in there. That's why I was saying I wish I had a. Yeah, an outlay of where we're at. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So those are all of the new books and stuff we read. And then we had some funsies where we decided to read (laughs) a a trade. I don't know. I don't know. Is it a trade fiction? I don't know. It's a paperback. It's it's that bodice-ripping, traditional erotica <laughs> but it was published in 2003 so it's not like like old old we made the mistake that this is a book within a series of books this yeah. is like the ninth book in a series so some of these characters that were secondary we were like where the heck do these people come from <laughs> <laughs> and they're literally only there for like a sentence yeah and then that's it that's all the description that you get this book smells weird um yeah it smells like dollar store <laughs> smells like old okay old. so we did read this book front to back um should we read the back just so they know it's called on a wicked dawn by stephanie lawrence yes all right well amelia sincere is stunned to hear these words from lucian ashford um the Six Vical Calverant, right? Calverton. Calverton, and the man she has always loved, 
Just before the handsome rogue passes out at her feet, Dawn is breaking and she has already risked scandal by living in wait for him just outside his London home. And though torn between indignant affront and astonished relief, she's nevertheless thrilled that Luke has agreed to her outrageous marriage proposal. However, rather than submitting to a hasty wedding as Amelia had planned, the exasperating Lord insists on wooing her properly, in public and in private. Yeah. She longs for their time alone when she can learn all about the seduction from a master. What? Yet, frustratingly, they all too often find themselves beneath the stifling gaze of the ton. But there is a method between the Viscount's madness. He has a secret reason for wooing Amelia. And, like all desirable things, his passion has a price. Okay, so I did not read the back of this book, but... I did not either. That's why I was, that's why I was laughing, because I'm like, okay... She longs for their time alone when she could learn about all the seduction, the seduction from a master? Everything in this book. Maybe I should have read the back <laughs> before I chose this. Oh, my God. Literally, everything that you will encounter in this book is right here. Right here. Okay. So, like Ashley said, this is book nine. And so, I'm like, am I missing something? Because I don't understand why he's so great. Maybe he was great in books one through eight. I don't get it. Um Real. But that shouldn't matter because he. Okay, so we're gonna. I mean, I'm assuming you're not gonna read this book. No, there is gonna, gonna be no be spoiler very free. Big spoiler. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he has a secret for wooing her. Is it so he can control her? Mm-hmm. Is that his secret? Mm-hmm. So that's a secret. Mm-hmm. So he is jealous. He controls her. Yet she finds that amazingly sexy. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's him. Literally, it's like he's also trying to control himself. So it's a game. This whole, yeah, like, they're playing a game. Like, like how far we can like go today is based on the fact that oh, you're not going to marry me tomorrow. You're going to wait four weeks, and in those four weeks, I am going to woo you properly because he actually all of a sudden just loves her after she's makes this proposal to him, and he's like, oh, I've actually been in love with her my whole entire time of knowing her. And I'm like, what? What? It's page twenty. Page 20 that that happens. And you're like, okay. And so she also is secretly in love with him as well because he's the most eligible bachelor that she can stand to be around. And she has, like, been at the end of her season for, like, four years now. Like, she's, like, way over being out in season in that general time frame. So this is based in the 1800s. And so it's all about when girls come into age they're in season and like their hopes is that they find a suitor at the end of their season um so it's like their coming of age party and usually Mm -hmm. happens when they're 16 years old okay she's like 23 so she's multiple seasons of Mm -hmm. being out and so she's like the old farty dart that no one wants now because she's not young gotcha so this whole like ton thing. I don't that understand reference, that. I don't know what that it means. It was in relation to like the society because I had to look it up. Oh. It was, like the ton. So it's all about like how they, you know, don't want to be noticed by the ton. And it's like, you know, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? Like, because it's all in the newspaper and everyone are, everyone is always invited to each other's parties. So there's all this gossip that's always just circling through. 
about okay. and about. And so it's all about maintaining this status in, like, the public's eye. Okay. So. I didn't care too much to figure <laughs> out what that meant. I was like, oh, whatever. Mm. <laughs> well, um, <sighs> we had a lot of dislikes. I didn't like anything about this book. Um, I think I had one oh. or two things that I liked. Cool. But we can hit that later. Because um, okay. it might literally be, like, <laughs> a blip of a like. <laughs> um, things I did not like in this book. There is no world building. It was super rushed. It was a super rushed story. Yeah. Um, the mystery thief that there is, like, there... All of a sudden, like, items are missing from people's houses, and we're, like, 150 pages in, and what? Who? What? And then all of a sudden, there is this weird guy who's, uh-huh. like, there for the brother of Luke, and he's been outcast. Do we know why? Did they yeah. say why? Okay. Uh, they, they did, but I don't remember exactly what it was for, but I think he was dishonest in some way in, like... Like with money or with something. Okay. Um, because I miss that part because it literally is a blip of the page. And all of a sudden there's this mystery person who's like, you know, taking stuff from other people's houses and she's meeting this random guy and he's going to take these items to get Luke's brother out of prison or to be able to pay for him to yeah, live. To pay for him to live. Pay for him to live because he's been dishonored from his family. And it's just like the first time you meet them, it is three paragraphs <laughs> of this exchange. And then you're like, okay, now we're back to Luke and Amelia getting it on again. Okay. Yeah, it was it was oh, pointless. Okay. Because it was like the story was going one way where Luke is like now trying to woo Amelia because he's actually magically in love with her as well and he doesn't want their marriage to be a fraud because he wants it based on love but doesn't want to tell her that it's based on love yet so he's controlling that issue he also is extremely I'm my wealthy eyes at this point. I know. <laughs> yeah he's extremely wealthy and he doesn't tell her that he's wealthy because she thinks that the reason why she's going to marry him is so then that way her dowry will help pay for his family and she actually cares about his family because her sister who's a twin married his cousin okay so this is my problem is she fucking stupid how does she not know that they have money now Uh how do you not know that when she spent time with his mothers and sisters at some point no one was like hey yay we got our money back no one I guess you wouldn't talk about that mm-hmm. but i mean you would see the extravagance yeah they yeah that made no mm-hmm. sense okay because it, and that was like another big hint because when they actually get married they go back to his like his manor up north or wherever it is and it's like fully staffed with people they uh their servants on the outside that live like on like the property of this manor like, all their homes have gotten new lumber, and, like, they're not in disarray anymore. And that's when she's like, oh, well, how did, maybe he just knew that the money was coming, so he was super advantageous about just moving forward with all these purchases. How much was her dowry? That's what I'm like, how much money would it was it? Because, yet again, we don't know, because her dowry and his actual worth were done in percentages in their marriage contract that they, like, signed. Okay. Mhm. So we never know because it was done in a percentage. There was right. there was too much sex. And it wasn't good sex. No. It was 
it was it was pretty bad and it was pretty repetitive like it was just the same thing and 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 what killed me is that they would go to this party find a room get their freak on next chapter go to the party find a hallway get Get their their freak freak on on next next chapter chapter. yeah go to a party find a garden bench Uh get their freak on go it's just Uh that this I'm like, are we going to get a story here? Is there no mm-hmm. no development here? I mean, I understand people read this for the freak on. I get it. Well, but can we you, at least have a story to help in between the freak ons? I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just because some people really enjoy, like, they want to see the freak on. That's why they're reading yeah. this book. It's getting them to read the book. Yeah. So it's not super story driven. It is a little bit in the sense that you just follow those two characters and a little bit of their backstory. Maybe. But you're really just in it for the sex. Well, then they that they achieved it because yeah. because she okay that was my other issue with this book the the art of how he was trying to seduce her the fact that he was going to show her all these wonderful things I feel like they hit step one two three four and then they were done there was nothing extravagant about that at all. Well, she's a virgin. What does she know? Okay, that's why she was, like, craving more or whatever. But it's, like, the next step was, oh, well, now I'm going to rip your bodice open and play with your boobies. Like, <laughs> that was the next step the next time. Because the first time it was the passionate kiss. There was so many passionate kisses. I'm like, okay. If mm-hmm. this is supposed to be all about booty time, I can, can we move past the kiss mm-hmm. now? I don't need a whole paragraph on how passionate this kiss yeah. is. Yep, and they just, like, they're missing for a lot of stories at these parties. And it's like, don't people notice that these two un, you know, tied down or not, they're not announced to anyone. They're not accepted to anyone's proposal, and they're just randomly missing. Well, I can understand at a party. nobody noticing at a party. But when you're at a picnic with your family, you'll be like, mm, where'd they go? Yep. Yeah. They're going to notice. The picnic yeah. people are going to But notice. then he was like, oh, no, no one comes over here anymore. They're going to go by the trees to look at the apples. <laughs> um, yeah, so my problemo was, and maybe I don't read erotica, so maybe I'm an idiot and don't know this, but it's, and I already told Ashley this, this is written the sex is written from the male point of view mm-hmm. and not the woman. Yep. I don't care what the master is doing. I want to know how the woman who's the virgin is feeling about how he's playing with her boobies. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm playing with her boobies. Look at her <laughs> boobies. <laughs> Look at her boobies go. I don't care about that. I want to know how it feels. Look at how beautiful like, they are and perky through that tight corset of that dress. And she's wearing this muslin dress that you should see everything and all of her curves. And you can't wear that out because I don't want people looking at your body. What did he keep calling her? Curls? Yes! Her curls! (laughs) I was cringing so hard. Meaning pubes. It's like her curls? He kept saying curls. I was like, you, you, you look like Oh my god, I mean, I get, you know, this is Europe, this is 18, they didn't shave, but I don't need to hear about the curls. Uh, He was, like, excited about the curls. (laughs) (laughs) And I think at one point, he said, he mentioned that her hair was curly, Uh so then when he said curls, I was like, But she's a beautiful woman, like, 
Blonde hair, gorgeous oh, figure, you know. I I was confused chin. about the second term of curls for a second. I was like, what? And then I, I know was, I was oh, like, okay. ew, we're referencing pubes. <laughs> this is what's happening. Because then it also referenced his pubes as well. Yeah. Um, I I had a problem with Amelia. Um, I had a problem with a lot of things in this book, but Amelia's main problem for me was the fact that her next plan of her big marital proposal was that she was going to get Luke to say yes and then secretly she was going to become an amazing wife after they got married like she would do everything that he wanted her to do that was her desire that was her next big great plan was to be a good wife and I was like that is not a good plan like that is not a good reason to make this marriage proposal to marry a stranger not a stranger but Someone and just your next plan is I'm just gonna become a good wife. And is there a demographic who finds that hot? I know. Who are these people? I know. I was like, Girl, this is 2003. It's your, not let, the 80s. Let, yeah. Let's let's reach your sky, girl. You like mean, way under the table. <sighs> I'm just gonna be a good wife. My dowry is fine. And then she's just like this amazing person with all of his servants. She's super helpful and generous to other people. And I'm like, why did she not get, why isn't she married? Exactly. What's her problem? Is it just because, and, and, it, and it makes it seem like, well, she's not married because she is an independent woman, uh-huh. but she wants to be a good wife. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No. She's she's hiding behind this independence when in all reality she just wants to become a good wife and have a man love her. Because that was her goal, was to get him to love her in return. And they're both reaching for the same exact goal, which that just it's it's not original. Um and is she prego? Girl, I don't know. Because towards the end they were like hinting at stuff, like, oh, we should probably tell people soon. And that was the last we've heard of that. I don't think I got to the end. I don't think I made it. Because they had so much sex, though, in that first, like, three weeks of their life. I was like, there is no way she is not pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say anything about using any sort of protection back no. then, or however they did that. There's no backstory on Amelia. I had a problem with that because it's told through Luke's point of view. Well, maybe it was in books one through eight. Maybe. And... But still, it, this is her and his story, so there should be more of that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see, like, her parents, like, madly in love, and we're getting more of, like, her parents. Back to, you remember that? Because they would yeah. have, like, their little exchanges together, and they're like, oh, are you happy for our daughters? And he's like, yeah, but, you know, deep down he really loves her, and, you know, that's what's really important is that they're actually in love getting married or whatever. So it's like you're getting these in-depth conversations with not even secondary characters. They're like blip on the scene characters. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we going so deep with these people? That okay. I was not impressed with the writing. Oh no. At all. At first, I was like, "Oh, this isn't terrible," but then as it progressed, I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty bad." Um, I didn't. I didn't think any of these people were any were interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I didn't think he was sexy. How do you how do you have a sexy character when you don't think he's sexy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. I think. mean, he wasn't 
He was no like Jane Austen novel man that everyone wants to be in love with. You know? And it's just like, I mean, he was sexy, secretively. He's a mysterious man that always has brooding eyes. And he's so intense. But really, she could read all of his freaking cues anytime that they were in public. Like, instantly. I didn't think he was sexy at all. I mean, it got to the point where I was just like, I don't want to read this sex scene anymore. Let's just keep going. I didn't. Even, and that's the point you want to read it, and mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. really bad. It was not enjoyable well, at and all. And then even when they got married, they're just like randomly disappearing from the staff that's like all around their household all the time, and they disappear for that whole entire afternoon and evening. You remember that? <laughs> On that hot summer day. But the heat was scorching. But the love in the room was greater. <laughs> the love in the room was greater. It was hot. Oh, man. And then he doesn't tell her that he loves her until she, like, goes after this thief. Which, by the way, like, how are you going to just go after this person? She just up and takes off. And they had this whole entire plan at that party. Remember when they're, like... Trying to get the thief to take the necklace, you don't remember. Girl, I told you I gave up at some point. I don't remember. I gave up. Anyway, when Amelia like goes <laughs> off and she's like this super heroine, going after this thief, and she's like, "Tell me the truth. What are you doing to this poor girl?" Yeah. yeah. I... Oh God. I. Okay. The I things I liked. The story between oh, okay. Amelia's parents was sweet. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Luke's love for his family to provide for them. I did like that because mm. he was like the only man. But these are like very minor likes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put, um, if you like simple erotic love stories, then here you go. Well, after you said that, it's really a disconnect for this guy starting off in the book. Like his father has squandered all of his money, all of their money. And then he works so hard for like five years or something to get it all back. But then he's a controlling douchebag. That's two different people. Yeah, no. That doesn't make any sense. He's still trying to control his money. He still has literally attorneys and people come in and look over his finances to make sure that he's making the best choice and doing the best things because he doesn't want to be like his father. And I'm like... Okay, that's great. But yet now he's controlling Amelia the same way that he's controlling his finances. That's what I put. I was like, is he controlling her because he he doesn't want to end up like his father losing the money? So that's I why he's so. controlling her? But then he starts to like loosen the reins a little bit once he sees like, oh, she can actually run a house the way that she's supposed to. And oh, she doesn't really need money, even though she comes from a very wealthy family. Her family has buku buku bucks, like way more than his family will ever have. But she's just somehow like, okay with all of that, like being in a simple life. And she's like telling him all the time, like, oh, I don't mind wearing the same dress or oh, I'll keep the cost down for a party or oh, we should have a party, but we'll make it cheap. We'll have people come. Like, okay. She's just like this super goody two shoes woman. She's a Mary Sue. She's and a Mary Sue. Like, Nobody likes a Mary Sue. Okay. You're just amazing overall. Mm. And that's it. No constitution. No. Mary Sue. What did you read the book done? Zero. I don't like anything about this. I, I have not read. read a, I think I put a one. Oh, wow. But well, you can't put a zero on Goodreads. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I, I, 
It was an experience, though. I, I'm curious what a good erotica yeah. is. If you do read erotica and you made it to the end of this podcast, please which is an hour us. long, um, please give us some recommendations for good erotica because... We would like to read something that is decent because yeah. we're spending the time reading it. It's like, okay. I thought Fifty Shades of Grey was better than this. Way better than what we just read. Yeah. Way more depth. That's the only other erotica I've ever read, guys. That's all that's, I got yep. to compare to. That's all I've got to <laughs> That's all I've got. Mm-hmm. But. All right. Well, next month we want to get into some adult fantasy. And yes. so we are asking for you to vote for either the fifth season by N.K. Jemison or the Red or sorry, Red Sister by Mark Lawrence. So we're going to mm. put it on Instagram or you can leave a comment to let us know which one we should read for March, March. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that. Those are our February reads. Do you have anything else? No, I that's think it. That that's it. I think this was super exciting, and I can't wait to see what you guys vote for. And I'll join you in our next podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.